the ganging feature would be like, oh, you can gang things together. And I'm like, you know, it's not like homies are going to pop up out of the console. And I would judge <laughs> how old people are, right? Yeah. Because if it was, you, you know, you know, if you're a little older, like Kyle, and you got a you know mic bag full of homies, you'd be like, ah, oh, that makes sense. And you'd look around, and if you're younger, it'd be like, homies, what's the, you know? Yeah. But in my in my mind, when I saw the ganging feature, I thought for sure like little homies were going to come out of the yep. desk. You know? <laughs> You're listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following statement. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Yes. Not only do I think it would make a sound, but it would be at least 20 dB louder than it was during sound check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Signal to Noise podcast. My name is Kyle Churnside, joining you from beautiful St. Louis, Missouri, home of murder and cold and snow, um, in that order. <laughs> Sorry. Michael put up earlier, Michael, the handsome one, Lawrence. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Leonard, the guy who keeps his show running and together. No matter how late we start, you guys would never know. Um they have to wake me up before the show and everything. <laughs> and then it's always a pleasure to have my friend from Austin, Texas, home of no snow plows and no salt trucks, Willa Snow, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes, hey, welcome. Hi. So, yeah, we, we've been chatting beforehand here. It's We actually probably should have recorded about half of that because that was the shitty stories that everyone needs to hear so they really know where we're coming from in life. Um, tonight, how are you guys doing? Well, good, good, yeah. So, I have no running oh, water. Oh, no, well, hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna clarify you have running water, it's coming through your ceiling. That's where it's it was coming through my ceiling. It was, uh, my cat and I evacuated and got to the boyfriend. So, I, I was gonna say, you're this is not your room. usual <laughs> backdrop for this show. So, you've no, you've... this is not, yeah. We, I grabbed the cat and we. Stuffed her into the carrier and drove very carefully across town to my boyfriend's did you, house. Did you take and... our advice and use cat litter to get your car unstuck? No, thankfully I didn't need ah, it. Okay. Uh, my car was, like, enough snow had melted around my car that I was able to get out, but his car, like, it's buried under a snow drift, For the record, so... Michael oh, suggested she used her cat to get the car unstuck, but, you know... <laughs> no! She goes, what do I put under the tires? And they said kitty litter and sand. And I was like, if you don't have those, you can just use live cats. And yep. She did not That's what like they that do. one. They I do did that not. Here. <laughs> My cat is too special. In, any, uh. any, any chop suey place in St. Louis, sweet and sour yep. cat for everybody. Oh, boy. Okay, but moving yeah, along. Otherwise, we're, we're fine. We got power. We just don't have running water, but we're all right. <laughs> well, okay, let's, let's a little housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, really oh. stoked about the Discord server. Uh, I'm hoping we might even talk Kyle into getting a, a Discord and Willa, you too. All right. It's been really cool to talk to people, and uh, Chad Oluk's been dropping some serious home cooking on us. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, I've been really working hard with, with my mentees. I picked up a new mentee. I think I'm working with three people now. I'm pretty... Um, it's it's turning into something that I really look forward to every week is is 
talking to these people and seeing what they're learning about and what questions they have and people from all over the world. Um, it's really, it's really neat. So anyone yeah. that's looking to get involved with that, let and us know. We're almost at 2000 people in our Facebook group as well. So if you yep. haven't joined there, join there. Incredible. Cool. Like yeah. everyone's super engaging too. It's funny. Like, uh, every, everyone, even, even my mentors that I haven't called in a while because I'm lazy, uh, <laughs> Uh, we're getting a lot of cool feedback from them via our email via I, I got to get this discord thing down I guess it's not a record label anymore <laughs> I don't know. but you called up you got an email from uh, one of our listeners Matthew Gale and yep. and he took the he he wasn't sure if we we're telling the truth when we say if you put your phone number in the email Kyle will call you up and I he just called call him. people and he was so uh, shout out to Matt. He was so excited that you called him, and then he got to talk to you, and you guys got to jam for a little bit. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, so reach out to us. It's always a pleasure to hear from from the listeners and hear what everybody's doing out there. So that's really cool. Signal to noise, or actually, just go to signaltonoise.com, right? And uh, podcast podcast.com. I don't know what it is. I just got it in my. It's like memorizing phone numbers. Nobody does that anymore. They just start typing it in their browser, and it's there. You know what I mean? Signals unless you, unless well, you have you it on Google private. Signal Noise podcast, if you want to, it'll probably get yeah. you to the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, yep. tonight I'm, I'm excited. This had nothing to do with me, and th- that's probably the coolest part about it because I would have bullshitted with our next guest for probably about two or three days before the podcast, and I kind of just let it hang out. I saw it on the calendar. I didn't bug him. I didn't call him. I didn't do nothing. Um, he. And I met a long time ago at a wonderful strip mall club called Neckbeards in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona when I was there. Um, He's also worked at the Clubhouse, which I worked at as well for a bit. Um, He's also worked at Livewire, which I've done some shows at, and the Marquee Theater, which is, you know, the the prime venue there in Tempe, uh, the on the way up or on the way out venue of uh, Arizona. And, of course... He started his touring career shortly after that. Fifth Harmony, Miss Lauren Hill, The Dirty Head, Sublime with Rome, Modest Yahoo, Cobra Starship, and one of my favorite punk rock bands, Strung Out. Ladies and gentlemen, now of Avid Council's uh, West Coast sales <laughs> dude. No, national. You be careful. National. Be careful. National. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to get a. I'm trying to get a gig here. <laughs> Ladies uh, and gentlemen, Matt Lawrence. So I want to make an interesting distinction. So in on well, first off, obviously we have two Lawrences now on the podcast, but here's the difference. It, so when when Matt sent over his resume, how do you get to the point where you get to put Matt Sound Lawrence as opposed to what other Matt Lawrences <laughs> are out there that you have to get to put Sound as your middle name? You know, it's interesting. As fortunately, I have. Uh, you know, uh, I think. Walking into Kyle's, this will, I'll get back to how this happened, but walking into Kyle's place years ago uh, here in Arizona, uh, he had, I think the records that are behind him, the Fall Out Boy records and, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, one day, like that was my goal, right? I mean, I didn't yeah, care nice. how I got there. That's what I, I want to be Kyle when I grow up too. <laughs> and, uh, I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. And um, luckily I have, I mean, I, I got a gold record from the Dirty Heads. I got a platinum record from the Fifth Harmony Girls. Um, I've got some really cool stuff. Uh, and every one of them actually says, Matt, sound, Lawrence. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, and it happened because when I was with the Dirty Heads. So I was with the Dirty Heads for, oh gosh, seven years or something like that. And lo and behold, the drummer's name was Matt. 
And so he was always Matt drums and I was always Matt sound. And so when I first, I think the first plaque or anything I got was like a, the dirty heads went number one on the billboard charts. Um, it was like an independent record and they ended up going high and blah, blah, blah. And they ended up giving us plaques, billboard plaques. And they, that was when they asked, Hey, what do you want it to say? That's Mad awesome. sound. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Michael, I, we, I propose it's Michael SPL Lawrence. I, 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 yeah. I, I just, I like I, that one. That's so, well, it's better than it's the really, other ones. It, I, it's great to talk to Matt on the show because Matt and I have had one I, people who like I, I really like LinkedIn. I like kind of connecting with people on LinkedIn and following what everybody's up to and see Will in her bunny <laughs> costume and all that stuff. So um, Matt and I have had one previous interaction on LinkedIn, and <laughs> I I just sent him a message and I just said, "People <laughs> think I'm you," is all it says <laughs> because so, way too often I'll be out at a show somewhere and someone will someone will you know say hey this is they'll introduce me to someone on the crew or something like that and they're like oh yeah i did the so-and-so tour with you and i'm like no you didn't like i'm not who you think i am so uh often people confuse me for you um i you probably haven't had the dishonor of being confused for me yet uh but it's really funny that people people think we've toured together one of these days i'm just gonna go for it man i'm gonna just jump in and yeah you still owe me for that tour you know uh <laughs> oh, dude. i think at this point anything is possible so if you get somebody who's saying oh yeah you did it be like oh yeah and just roll with it Absolutely. yeah that was me and yeah, yeah that was so the the, the first time the first time that kyle and i hung out we were doing an as panel at webster university and he called me matt like at least four times during that panel. even on the phone one time i think too i was like hey what's up matt uh, oh yeah 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 all right so, so i'm i'm i want to dig into one of the coolest uh artists on uh, your resume that i like uh is modest ya- oh. <laughs> uh modest yahoo um, I, I think uh, I think what he and his band do. So I'm curious on your timing. 2011, were you at live at Stubbs, the second one that was uh, at Stubbs? That was like I think it was released in 2011. So I wasn't sure if you were around for that or. Yeah. So uh, my interaction, funny enough, his real name is Matt. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, it, I think I, yeah, I might have known, but yeah, it's it's Matt. Um, but I was introduced to Modest Yahoo. Um, the Dirty Heads, uh, when their song Lay Me Down broke, um, they uh, it was right when Sublime with Rome started coming out. And so it was Sublime with Rome, Modest Yahoo, Dirty Heads. That was the tour. And I was front of house for the Dirty Heads. And then obviously, anytime you can double dip on tour, right? That's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the goal, right. especially when yeah. you're young, right? I mean, it, you get older and you're like, ah, but when you're young, it's like as many things as you can do. And... Uh, I ended up doing monitors. So I did monitors on a PM5D uh, for Modest Yahoo for, uh, I think it was two tours, tour, something like that. Uh, and then I ended up doing some fly dates with him. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, some of these artists that are on there, it was, you know, years and years. Uh, yeah. There wasn't, it was a few tours. So, uh, but Matt's great. I mean, he, you, we've definitely... Um, uh, Hawaii and some other stuff were some one-offs, um, and he's he's an interesting cat. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so I like his live albums better than his studio albums because I feel like 
that music translates so much better in a live format than it does from a studio. Like I, you just don't get that same feel and vibe. And coupled with, I typically don't like live albums. So uh, I because I just I just don't. Chris think hates music and also joy. <laughs> he hates most forms of joy. What? <laughs> no, I just I don't know. Like I feel like often live albums there's like. And this is just probably just how they're mixed and stuff. There's like a often I feel there's a life that's kind of sucked out of them and, and stuff just because of I, I don't know how. Anyway, um, so when when an artist for me nails a live album combined with the fact that the type of music that he's doing is built for live, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's cool stuff. You know, the biggest thing that that you're whether you know or don't know is that he was backed by this band called the Dub Trio. Do you guys know who the Dub Trio is? I don't. If you don't. That is what you're hearing. That's when you think about this live album. Look up the Dub Trio. Gotcha. Uh, they are some of the most phenomenal musicians you will ever hear. Period. Bar none. Uh, and they do like some weird stuff. Like the drummer has, you know, some MIDI triggers on some of his stuff. Um, the bass player has a whole slew of pedals that everything he hits is, you know, a groove. The guitar player is, you know, same thing. Pedals for days, and all three of them are vibing on each other and then you have modest yahoo where you're talking about where he's doing the you know all this other stuff so with his voice in the dub trio that was the magic that you were hearing that's where it was like if you get the opportunity to kind of feed that vibe of multiple musicians who can kind of have the flexibility to do whatever they want that's the capture that you're looking for right it's not studio it's more free-flowing yeah, I'm curious uh, with the amount of like effects and stuff that he had on his voice. Were you doing any of that in monitors, or was that he just listened to what happened in the house? Like, there's very few effects. I mean, that, yes, there's effects. There's you know some stuff that you hear in the house, and of course, there's some some breathing and some other stuff. Um, we can talk more about my effects in front of house with another artist, but no, it was nothing. And actually, he wanted it high past only to like forty or fifty because he really wanted to hear that you know all this other low-end stuff that he does so it was a weird you know you get close to a sub right why do, why do you high pass anything right so it was the, kind of writing this high pass making sure it doesn't feed back but still giving an artist what they want that's awesome yeah and i don't do you know we've i've, heard, I've watched a few of your guys' shows um and uh the whole front of house monitor you know who does what and, and all this other fun stuff um, I'd say 75% front of house, you know, and 25% monitors and not that I like or dislike either one. Um, I'm, I feel like front of house, you can be more of, of, of your own artist, not saying that you have this, like you're an artist, but you get to paint the picture yeah. for me, the idea of being able to hear something and go, okay, I'm going to put it out this way. Right. I mean, you, with the fifth harmony girls, you get like this, it's tracked, you're trying to make it sound as pristine and clear as it could possibly get. Uh, and then you have artists like Lauren Hill. Uh, and the, the reason why I'm bringing her up is because this whole uh, effects situation. Yeah. Kyle's Kyle's saying it best. Um, there is. I, I love the Fugees though. Holy cow, dude. If it wasn't there, for the Fugees, I'd be a different dude. There is, there is a, there is a fine distinction of, people that have worked for her and people that haven't. I, I remember watching the Scoville episode and it's kind of the Prince thing. You know, there is this, uh, there is this, you know, you have to call her Miss Lauren Hill, right? You have to, there's this whole thing aura about her. Um, but I, I did it after the Dirty Heads. 
And so going from strung out to the dirty heads to her was a whole new ball game, right? I mean, it was something completely different. And I love that. I love that people like Pooch go from Justin Bieber to um, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Thank or you. Or Lincoln sir. Park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or Lincoln Park. I mean, it's it's kind or of if Iron you're an Maiden. engineer, you, if, yeah. <laughs> if you're an engineer, you get it in. So when I was with her, I thought, okay, if I can make this thing last for like six months, right? That's a good thing. Um, and first couple weeks, I remember getting called in cause you don't, she doesn't travel with the band, nothing. Right. So the first couple weeks I, I, uh, get called in and I remember thinking either I'm going to get fired or we're going to keep touring. I, it's kind of one or the other. And I was at front of house, uh, had a profile. Um, you know, gosh, this was 2000. 13 Nine? to 15. No, 10. No, this would be 11. This would be 11. Oh, oh, 13? I, was re- I, was, oh I was reading your resume. Your resume says there 13 to 15. So there, whatever that <laughs> thing says. So anyways, uh, I was at the beginning. So the um, I remember a couple weeks after that getting called into her dressing room. And it's like she has so many handlers. You know, there's a handler here and there's a handler here. And and uh, I remember her sitting in her, her chair looking at herself in the mirror. And I'm kind of sitting over here. And I remember her, you know, I don't know if you know about this about me, but I'm eccentric. And I'm thinking to myself, two weeks already. I already know that. Right. I'm good. I totally know <laughs> right, about all the things. And I remember her sitting there and she goes, she said, uh, whatever you're doing. And whenever she t- talked to you, she'd look at you like this. She'd make a point, you know. So and I remember her saying whatever you're doing with the effects, you can do more. And I was like, sweet. Right. I mean, you, I, they're very rarely, do you get that like freedom right. with an artist yeah. where you're just like, do more. And yeah. mind you, she had 16 other people on stage. She had, you know, three backup singers. She had horns. She had keyboard. I mean, she had it all right. I mean, we're talking 80 some inputs, you know, it, it was, it was a good show. Uh, but the, my favorite part back to what you're saying with effects, it made me think about this was she would in the, the middle of the show and she'd have a snot reg, right? And she would, she would use the snot reg to calm everybody down. The band. And she would get everybody super quiet. And I, at this point, you know, especially with digital, I think I had like six or eight different effects engines going at the same time. Right. And I, I would sit there with long delay, short delay, slap delay, reverb, long reverb, plate. Re- I mean, all of it. Right. And she would just go, and i would just sit there and everybody would be quiet the whole 16 people on stage the whole audience and it would just be me and her right in you know big auditoriums whatever the heck and it would just be me messing with her vocals and it was such a i look back and i'm thinking out of all the craziness right she's late for late for sound check late for shows i mean it was just all the things are true but for that one moment it seemed like every show there was some sort of magic, right? There was, it wasn't on any record. It wasn't anything. It was just me and the artist doing our thing. Right. So there is, there is that side of her. And the reason why I stayed with her for two years, right? I mean, it, there's a point where you go, I'll deal with the crazy. I'll deal with it. And that would, those were the kind of moments I, I stayed around. So, yeah. And you got to hear that thing every night, doo-wop. Yeah. Holy cow, yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. I'd probably be, I'd dance my ass off at front of house. Like, I'd be like, excuse me, and just um, get down who for was, a whole who song. Was the, 
who is the artist? Uh, why, why am I blanking on it right now? Um, who was the other artist? Not not in the Fuji's, but he came in. This is terrible that I'm blanking on it. Where's my phone? Um, <laughs> uh, D'Angelo? He, he no no no. He came out. He did a few songs with her. Uh, not Wyclef. Oh no. If it was Wyclef, I'd shit my pants. I'm sorry. <laughs> You would just poop def- your pants def- right there. Like out of, be done. out of spite or out of like no. an act of celebration? What yeah, I'd what's be the like, motive? It's like two thirds Fuji's on stage right now. I'd freak out. <laughs> Matt, you were with them during that time that uh the Chappelle show was doing like the uh Fuji's redo stuff too. Um yeah. did you have to deal with any of that stuff? No, no. Luckily I uh she was at a point where no one really wanted to deal with her. Honestly, that was, that was, she really had nobody who even the, um, the manager and stuff kind of just, no one wanted to deal with her. You know, she's coming off of her tax evasion thing. Right. Uh, and that she really didn't, it was just like, uh, she felt like she had to do it. Right. And she, every song I remember, you know, we, we traveled the world a few times and I remember being somewhere like, you know, Sweden or something and somewhere where I didn't understand the language. And I remember someone coming up going, ah, Boston. Like, does it sound? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, does it sound bad? What's going on? And she had a translator and it, the, tra- the translator app. And she went up to me and she's like, when are they going to play? And when is she going to play the hits? And she was playing one of her hits. So she oh, never man. played her, what, what we would call the wax, right? She never played what she recorded ever i mean that's chris's dream right uh, she never played her album ever it was a rendition of her album and it had to do with something to do with rights or some jazz like that right um i'm still trying to figure out this who this it'll is. come to you as soon as the episode's over and you go no. sit down on your couch and you put the tv on that's what's going to come to you that's that's not it's, how i work it's funny you know you speaking you know um Kyle was calling out the strung out, and I, so I was going through and listening on Spotify today, you know, before we got on the episode, yeah. and like walking through all the bands. Like, go, I'm working my way back, and I got back to strung out. I'm like, interesting. Okay, this is a completely different start than where the rest of your career went in terms. Of, and I, I think it's fun when you get to have someone who has like an eclectic. I mean, I think the the middle range of your stuff, Dirty Heads, Sublime uh, with Rome, Madashahu, that's all kind of in the same vein. Um, and then. Uh, and then you know, I guess, I guess, did Cobra Starship? Did that kind of set you up for Fifth Harmony in in, ter- in terms of? Um, what was uh, that? I, I'm laughing because I'll so I'll go. I'll, the the short answer is Kyle's the one who hit me up with that gig. Which so, one? Cobra just, Starship. Just Kyle. Uh, Kyle, okay. Kyle Cobra. No, 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 I meant I meant I meant which act. There's only one. There's only um, one. Yeah. So uh, let's go back. Let's go back a little bit, and I'll I'll figure this. Uh, Oh, this artist is going to kill me this whole episode. I got to let it go. Um, let it go, dude. Die Let's move on to live it. on the show. <laughs> Stay Ugh. tuned. Um, so strung out, strung out. Uh, when I was like 14 years old, um, I would skateboard and listen to strung out. Uh, they were in like all the skateboarding videos, right? I mean, that, it was like, if you were a, the skateboarding kid in the nineties, strung out was your deal, especially if you were into fat records, right? No effects. Yep. Bad Religion. It, I mean, Bad Religion was on Epitaph, but still, all that stuff right there. Yep, Lagwagon. Uh, Lagwagon, Face to Face. I mean, you can go Pennywise. on. Right? I mean, 
Oh, yeah, all that all West those. Coast punk rock. Oh, so anyway, I got a story about No Use for a Name and, and later on. But uh, so my my introduction to Strung Out um, was they were coming to play uh, the clubhouse. Um, so I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd been doing sound for what four years or something like that. Uh, and my favorite band is coming to the club I'm working at. And I'm like, oh god, please let them not have a sound guy. Please let them not have a sound guy, right? And so I get there, and the guitar player is standing out front. Now, being any sound guy, you get there way too early and leave way too late. So the doors weren't even open yet. And I'm like, hey, are you Rob Ramos? He's like, yeah. What are you doing here? He's like, oh, I, I missed uh, I missed the first couple of shows. They had like a three-run thing through Utah and Vegas and whatnot. Like, oh, that's interesting. Come to find out later, it was for other reasons. But he missed the shows. And him and I started, yeah, <laughs> I started talking. And uh, yeah, hell knows. Uh, and we started talking and uh, he's like, oh yeah, we don't have a, a sound guy for this run. This is just a three-show run. I'm like, sweet. He's like, do you, are you the sound guy? I said, yeah, I'm the sound guy. He's like, do you know our music? <laughs> I'm like, actually, you're my favorite band. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, by far. I mean, here, I'll, since we're on video, they like full blown. Oh, right? I love that. Like, I remember when he, I, I remember when he got awesome. that. Awesome. Oh, actually. Now, it, now it was that, hold on, for, for the, for the folks at home who aren't watching, there's a tattoo <laughs> strung out on his arm. Now, did you have that tattoo before it's that? It's in a house. Do you see that? <laughs> Awesome. And, and here's a dirt, here's a dirty heads tattoo, and I just put an arrow this way. <laughs> Good job. Um, no, I got it on tour. Oh, okay, cool. Tour. I got a great um, tour tattoo too. It's hilarious. So, Did so really? Willa, yeah. I think you need a tattoo of um, who's the artist that you're at with? Uh, um, Dossie. Dossie, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I got her oh, hoodie yeah, on right now. <laughs> There you go. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways, we uh, we get we get inside and come to find out, Kyle, you know Ryan Green. Yep. Right. And so Ryan Green, uh, him and I. So if you listeners or you guys don't know who Ryan Green is, Ryan Green produced most of the Fat Records albums uh, in the early '90s. So all like the good all ones. those all the bands that Kyle and I just said, he pretty much recorded all of them. He owned a studio, or he yeah half owned the studio with Fat Mike back in the early early yep. '90s or whatever. So Ryan actually lived in Arizona, came to the clubhouse for, uh, he owned a studio called Crush Recording, um, and came there with some of the bands that he had recorded. And uh, I remember the first time he got, and then, mind you, the clubhouse had a Mackie Onyx 48 sweet something nice. awesomeness. Uh, EV, 48 by 2 something, 48. <laughs> uh, EV, <laughs> EV ground stack. Um, I mean, it was just, you know, the best of the best. Um, and I remember he, uh, Ryan Green, this, you know, popular, uh, uh, recording artist came in. He's like, Hey, do you mind if I mix this next band? And I was like, you know, and I'm like 20 something, right? I mean, early 20s. I'm like, do you know what you're doing? You know, is this, you guys, you know, what's up, you know? And he's like super kind, right? Super sweet. He was like, like, Oh yeah, I, I know how to mix. And I'm like, Okay. Okay. You know, like it's my gear. It's like it's my Mackie, right? In a crappy clubhouse. It's my stuff. And the dude does great. I mean, he's you know, an amazing job. And later on, it might have been Kyle, uh, but somebody, one of my you know friends, goes, "Do you know who that is?" <laughs> no. Is Ryan Green? Who's Ryan Green? 
and then I found out who Ryan Green yep. was. Oh my gosh. So fast forward, Ryan and I became, you know, friends and um he comes to the Strung Out show and then Will Anderson bringing up some names, Kyle. So yeah. Will Anderson was the local promoter who promo- who promoted all the oh. Go ahead, Kyle. All the good shows, dude. Every oh. every show from the time the band showed up in the van to the time the bu- band had four buses. He he did a Fall Out Boy show. He did From Under the Court Tree. Like he did like he promoted them when they were in Arma Angelus and Kill Slave Master and like it all the way up to Fall Out Boy, you know, Platinum Record. That that guy is a hell of a promoter. Pick pick Will some Anderson, good ones. Great dude. Great dude. Uh, so he was there. So between Will Anderson, Ryan Green, and me talking to the guitar player, uh, about four months later, the good Rob calls me up and says, Hey, um, do you want to go on tour? And I said, yes. And he goes, <laughs> I didn't tell you how much you would get paid or what I go. I don't care. Right. I mean, as you, your favorite band asks you to go on tour, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'll drop everything. Right. And I'm in my early twenties. I don't have kids and a wife and everything. So, uh, for four years, I toured with my favorite band. We went and we went everywhere. I mean, from Australia to Japan. I mean, we literally traveled the globe. And so all these crazy cool things that I've done post Strung Out, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, what's, what's your favorite time on tour? What's your favorite band? You don't beat touring with your favorite band. I don't care what, how big the show. I mean, I've mixed, fortunately, you know, places like Wembley Stadium and Madison Square Garden all they're great, but nothing, I mean, nothing beats touring with your favorite band. My, one of my favorite stories is we were in Tasmania, Australia, right? So the little, the little nugget below Australia, Tasmania. The, the devil. Yeah. And, and we were there and we played the, uh, we played their college mess hall, right? That was, that was where we played. And uh, I remember it was probably 500 people. 800 people and i remember sitting doing sound at front house my head's down and at chris as you listen to their music it is very fast right i mean it it, it gets down and i remember you know going like this and i remember looking up and everybody is swinging smiling swinging blood is going everywhere and people are laughing hitting each other like moshing but literally yeah. it was just the the epicenter of people having a good time beating the shit out of each other, <laughs> and I was just like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen." Right? I mean, so I'm moving here. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, maybe the depiction of the Tasmanian Devil was based off of the people that are there, and maybe that was just them embodiment of Tasmanian I think, Devil. I mean, I think I you're freestyling, Chris. That's what I think. Um, Matt, I want to, <laughs> I want to segue a little bit. Because you you have some unique perspectives on you you boots on the ground you go out and you you do this work, and you you see how these tools like mixing consoles right there see how they get used in these types of situations and you also get to work with a manufacturer, and be on the other side of how the tools are are designed and how the tools are developed and and I, I'm really interested in the idea of how your touring experience helps you with your work with the manufacturers and, and how your work with the manufacturers helps you with your touring experience. Maybe can you talk about that? Sure. Sure. So, uh, I, I don't know if Tim Shaver will ever watch this episode. Uh, but this, that whole thing you just said is accredited to him. So if people don't know, Tim Shaver is the vice president 
of American Music and Sound here in the United States. Uh, and he is the sole reason I am in sales. Uh, so you guys, I've watched this stuff before. So Michael Bangs uh, came to Lititz, Pennsylvania at Rock Lititz uh, when the Fifth Harmony Girls were there. And he was the Allen and Heath D Live console du jour dude, right? As we all, as he still is. Um, and I remember uh, looking at the console here in Arizona and going, this is the jam. This is the jam for so many reasons, right? I mean, I, that console is amazing. Uh, and I took it out. And, you know, Banks helped me out, took it around the world. Um, and he said, hey, do you want to come to NAM? And this was 2017. That's about right. Um, and I go to, to Dam and Tim Schaefer says, uh, you know, thanks for taking the console out, so on and so forth. Have you ever thought about getting off the road? Now, my daughter was four at the time. Uh, and I, you know, the typical story, you can hear this from every, every engineer you've ever talked to as kids. It, it goes something like this. I was getting ready to go on the road. My kid said, are you going to be gone for that long? And your heart crushes and you wonder how you're going to do it. And you know, at this point, I literally, you know, just got off with Fifth Harmony, um, doing some of the biggest shows I've ever done in my life, um, checking off all the boxes of when I was a kid, that's, you know, Clubhouse was strung out. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. And at this point, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm going to be like Bangs 2.0, right? And between between us here and on this call, I have 0. .0001 skill set that Bangs does. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but when it comes you know i thought hey i'm gonna you know i've done some cool stuff i'm gonna do this that's not what tim had planned so tim calls me and says hey do you want to be the western regional sales manager and i'm like no nah, i'm good <laughs> <laughs> I'm good i got no i, I mean the, the amount i was never even a production manager right i mean production manager like all, i was literally somehow just front of house or monitors ever Right. Not not even in the like, let's send emails back and forth type of thing. Just didn't somehow my career didn't end up that way. And so Tim said, if I can do anything, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. And I thought, what? why would you want to teach me, you know, anything about sales? He saw, Michael, what you're talking about. He saw if I could get somebody who knows how to run a desk and has an extroverted personality, which you guys, I mean, you know, some sound guys, not like Kyle, uh, have a very introverted personality, right? They're very reserved. I am the opposite, right? I love to talk to people. I love to be in front of people. I talk with my hands, right? I mean, I'm that guy. And so Tim saw that and it started all the things that sales has to do, right? It started with I didn't even know what a PO was when I started with Tim. That's how, I mean, literally, what's a purchase order? Nothing. So Tim literally took me under his wing. Tim's been a, a 40 years in, in, audio, in audio sales. I mean, we were talking about um, two-inch tape, right? All of it. Uh, so Tim has been in, in that stuff for years and years and years and years. So Tim starts going through, hey, here's a spreadsheet. Here's this. Here's that. Here, you know, all this other stuff. So... Building what I knew about consoles and build and Tim building me up as a sales manager turned into fire because there's not a lot of us. I, I don't know very many people who can actually talk the talk and then write a quote 
and be able to talk numbers. I, there's very, very few. Um, because most most touring guys don't know how to get off the road. Uh, Tim literally drug me off, right? And most sales guys have never toured. And so the the fire of having both of those is truly my deadliest weapon. Uh, and that's where Avid uh, and Chant knows, or sorry, Kyle knows Chant. That's where Avid scooped me up. Uh, they were looking for a, a guy to look after their installation division uh, throughout the United States. And they it was six interviews over three months. Wow. Uh, and they kept finding really good sales guys and really good touring guys or guys who knew gear. Uh, and their sole reason for picking me was because I knew both. Uh, so when I, I can tell you a, a conversation I just had, uh, with a church and it was, um, it went something like, Hey, yeah, we're thinking about this console versus this console. You know, is there anything you can talk about? And I right away just throw out, you know, Hey, I'm a sales guy. This is what might get paid to do, but I've been a touring engineer for years. And so when it comes to gear and it comes to, you know, being able to call someone and get someone on the other line, I know how important that is. And they, right away, you see the, the walls start dropping slowly of just like, okay, you're one of us, right? And I always go with the, I'm here to help you. If you want to buy the least expensive product or you want to buy the most expensive product, whatever fits your needs. And that is a very different tone than I think a lot of sales managers have, right? Sales managers are supposed to sell the biggest, baddest thing to get the biggest, baddest number. I think that if you facilitate helping somebody out in the way that I just described, the end result is the word of mouth and the idea that the sales will eventually come. And they did. They did in Allen Heath, and they're still happening right now, even in a pandemic um, with, with Avid. Um, so to go any for one more step further before you say anything, Michael, the idea of, yeah, you like this? This is why I'm a sales engineer, by the way. <laughs> so the, what, did, what, we, we blocked we blocked two hours off for this episode <laughs> oh, right? good, 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 i'm just good, kidding good. <laughs> uh, no what's what's interesting is that um last quarter so you know um december november october uh i got word in january that i sold one third of the avid s6ls in the world by myself during a pandemic so the idea, yeah, we, remember that car I showed you earlier, Michael? <laughs> so the, the was idea that the, is... Was that the Bugatti or was that the... Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's like a Ford it, it Focus, was, but it, an SUV. It, oh, it, was, yeah. it was like a Ford Focus SUV thing. Um, but no, the idea, the idea truly is, Michael, your question is, the fire that I have for so long about consoles is almost like I chose... You had to have the PA and the microphones... And, you know, the amps in order to make the soundboard work. That's been my way of thinking forever, right? I, I know, you know, I like acoustics. I like, you know, a good microphone. Like, I, I appreciate that stuff. But it's solely to make my soundboard work. And that's how I think about things. I like that. Uh, you know, I think about, I've had some, I have, I'll start with some, you know, unpleasant experiences I've had or, or certain manufacturers, certain companies where you're like, look, this is the job. It's an install or it's a rent, whatever. And they come back with something that you're like, okay, it's clear that you don't do this for a living if this is your serious recommendation to me because that's just a completely inappropriate recommendation. Or uh, certain console manufacturers, I won't say any names, like couldn't understand why I was asking for a certain feature 
And I'm like, because because you don't you don't go out and mix shows. Because if you did, you wouldn't question me on this, right? So so uh, those are the things where it's very frustrating. And then I have to start to question their motives about why are they recommending a certain thing. Whereas you know the manufacturers that I like to deal with. I mean, we had my friend Tarek on from RCF. I'm working with him on a, on a on an install right now, and you know he's out there. He's he he does battle in the trenches like like we do. And and so you know when I'm working with people like that here's what I'm working with. Here's the problem I'm trying to solve. This is kind of what I'm thinking. What do you recommend? And, and, you know, it's, it's really not about, it doesn't feel like I'm trying to talk to the used car salesman who's trying to just get something off the lot. Uh, it's, right. you know, those people who have that practical experience and, and I mean, Kyle's kind of the poster boy for this, right? Like uh, you can make a recommendation that makes sense and it passes the, the sniff test by the client because it's grounded in reality and it's grounded in experience. And so when people like that tell me, I know you're looking at this model, but we really think you should go one more up because we're not sure if that's going to be enough box or something like that. I, I heed that because I know that this that's not coming from a place of, well, we are designed to upsell here. It's like, we're going to try to get you the best thing for the application. And, and uh, you know, you can't bullshit a, an experienced client in that way. They're going to know. Um, so I'm all about, I mean, and, you know, and I, I don't have the extensive background with the manufacturer that you have, Matt, or that, or that Kyle has had, but in, in my dealings with that, you know, I have the same reaction, which is like, wow, I get paid to, to do this stuff. This is so cool. Like yeah. if you're passionate about gear, if you're passionate about the tools that we use, um, imagine getting up every day and getting to work on that stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the, that's the cool gig. And so I know we say this all the time for the younger listeners, but you know, don't discount your opportunities with a manufacturer. Uh, Not at all. There's some amazing opportunities there. And um, I'm very much focused on what is the right solution for, for the client. It's not all about, and sometimes that may not be, um, you know, I have to talk about my father for a second. He's sold insurance for 35 years, right? He's a college professor now. And I watched him multiple times when a client would call up and say, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm looking to accomplish. Oftentimes he'd say, yep, we can help you with that. You know, we can sell you this or this. And that's, that's what we think you need. And sometimes he would say, we're not the best choice for this. Call this other company. They can do it for less or it's a better fit for you. And I have so much respect for my dad for wanting to get the client the best and most appropriate solution and not just the thing that's going to make him money. And that means that people trust him and they call him back and his word matters. And I, that's something that, that means a lot to me. And, and I know that that's how Kyle operates. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's how you operate as Mel, Matt. So I think, I think that's the kind of relationship that I look forward to having when, you know, I have, I have manufacturers that I prefer to work with for projects when, when I get to pick, right? Because as, as we all know, sometimes you get what you get and you just got to make it work. But when I get to pick, there are people who I'm going to call first. And it's not just because of the particular thing that they make it's because of that working relationship and i know that we're going to get the solution that we need yeah i think there's a there's a big part to that the the um there's a there's a few really good things that that the sxl does and there's some things that it doesn't do and i i'm very aware of that and i say that to the customer like if your deal is sample rate conversion sxl is not your bag go to allen heath i mean you can build 44 one to 96 and five different ways, right? I mean, it's amazing. Um, but if you're into things like waves and you're into, you know, controlling waves on your desk, right, without a computer, if you're into DAW control, right? I mean, the idea that you can take, 
snapshots, hit a snapshot and it drives, drops a timeline marker into your Pro Tools, then an SXL is your deal, right? I mean, that's the kind of experience that you're talking about, knowing where your product succeeds and knowing where maybe some others do. And then when the project comes, they'll, they'll know where to go. What were you saying, Kyle? Oh, I was just agreeing. I was just agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you know, there's one one uh, job in particular. I was just thinking about when you were saying that, Michael, was um, in in the SXL world. There's three different engines, right? There's the 112, 144, 192. That's the inputs, but there's also outputs: 48, 64, 96. And so when a customer is talking about how many, what engine they want, you can always get a bigger, in, bigger or smaller surface. You can always get more I/O. But the one thing you can't change is the engine, right? So that is the that's the really com- the conversation piece. Like, how many outs are you needing, right? Are you how many stereo ears are you doing? Because the last thing you want to do is get stuck with forty eight, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I really need you know fifty six or whatever. You can't do it. So that there's that the 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 line between upselling and getting the customer what they want, and that's kind of what you're talking about with your dad, right? The idea where you're providing what the customer needs, but doesn't feel shifty, right? It doesn't feel like you're a used car salesman. I hate well, that. I think it's, I, I think it's about the first thing out of your mouth isn't, Hey, buy this thing. You're trying to understand the, the, the application. You're trying to understand the needs you're trying to understand. I mean, it's amazing. And I, I know I want to hear Will's thoughts on this because Will and I have talked a lot about this idea of, you know, Hey, you know, the manufacturer that makes this thing that I use doesn't listen to me, right? And that's, that's a very frustrating place to be. But, you know, I just want to want to kind of throw out briefly that, you know, a while ago I got called by a church to come in and work with them. And, and it was like, hey, you know, our system needs to be tuned and, you know, we're not sure if we need to upgrade anything, but we also want to do training. So it's kind of a 360. We're going to look at all the aspects of this. We're going to look at the operators. We're going to look at the gear. We're going to look at the system tuning and just see what can be improved upon. And the first thing I did is I just went to a service. I didn't tell anybody I was there. I didn't, you know, go in. I just sat through it. And they were like, you're the first person that we've called to help us with this that's actually attended a service. I'm like, how can you even approach trying to train people or tell them what they need or what upgrades make sense for them or what their problems are if you haven't even seen them do what they do? So to me, it's it's all. A, let's first start with what what are you, what are we dealing with here? Let me understand your world and your challenges, and then then we maybe I can recommend something that makes sense to you, right? Empathy. There you go. Willis, no, you've been nodding along happily. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm just uh, nodding in complete agreement with everything that is being said right now. Um, I mean, I've dappled in sales a little bit. When I first met Matt, it was at the 2018 NAM when I was asked to come and help assist demo consoles for the Allen and Heath booth. Um, so I, that was my first introduction into the world of manufacturers and how that whole side of the industry works. Um, and just with the concept of the relationship of the sales tech with the end user, that's such an important thing. Cause the, the last thing you want as a sales tech or as a salesperson or engineer or a retail clerk, anything at all is you don't want your customer to bring your product back and say that it was bad or defective and you don't want your customer to go out bad mouthing your product like oh man this didn't work for me and you know it, it's a shitty product or whatever um and i so i took a uh a little gear retail job 
uh, just to like kind of pass the time during the pandemic. And I work with a very talented salesperson in my department and he's really, really good at the upsell. And like, for example, we had like a woman coming in uh, trying to get a birthday present for her 10 year old son. And he's like trying to upsell her on this really, really expensive, I know, right? For a 10-year-old. And it's like, that's cool. <laughs> or like, you want to sell her like some Novation 49 or whatever. And it's like, that that's a really expensive piece of gear. It's outside of her budget. And yeah, it's a more professional thing. But also, he's 10. And he's just starting out. And, you know, like, I, I get wanting to, like, encourage her to find something that's, like, really, really cool. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is really going to capture the interest of the kid. But also, you have to kind of look at the practicality of the fact that this is a parent with a child. Not like you know an an older person who's like actually like creating. So we're looking for an introductory thing. So even though like the more expensive piece of gear, yes, is going to earn you more on the commission. Um, personally, I, if it's not the right level of sophistication <laughs> for the kid, uh, or if it gets broken, I mean, sure, that's like an excuse for us to sell you some insurance on it. But like also, that's not necessarily the best fit for the end user. So I'm definitely going to like undersell and go with like, okay, here's something that is within your budget. That is like a really great piece for someone to start out with. And if you need to upgrade, like we can upgrade and you have like this amount of time to, to up to switch it up if you need to. And so it's like, it's, it's really talking to that end user and figuring out, are you actually going to use this? Is this actually going to suit your needs? And then I know, like, hey, you're not going to bring my product back. You're actually going to talk well of the product that I'm selling you. So that's going to look good for them. And it's just, it's a better fit all around. And so for, in the case of longevity, that's, you know, I, I think that's just, it's the best fit. And so it's, and then you develop the relationship with that customer. And it, it's just, it's a more sustainable sort of relationship, especially when it comes to just the product itself. Because you want to do the product well, you know. Well, I think there's there's very little value, especially in the long term, mm -hmm. in selling somebody the wrong thing, right? Even if it's a better thing, if it's not the right thing, I mean, like you said, you know, short term, okay, maybe you make more commission on it or whatever. But in the long term, when the person goes, gee, that really wasn't what I needed, it didn't solve my problem, or uh, it was outside my budget and it wasn't worth spending the extra money, um, you know, in terms of the relationship that you're creating with the client, that's not a good situation to be in. You know what I mean? I, I, I think you have to take, take the long, the long view here. And if you say, yeah. oh, I, when I talk to this person, they always give me an appropriate solution and they always, you know, they, they always have in mind my interests and my, my application and what I'm trying to do. And they, they try to make sure that I get something that, mm -hmm. that I'm actually going to need and I'm going to use. Right, Kyle? I mean, I, I know you're yeah. thinking about that. I mean, even as an engineer, like Matt was saying, you got to fall in love with the product. You got to fall in love with the product. Like, and you know, we all talk, we talk offline, we talk on social media, we all talk about gear. Hey man, have you seen that new thing? Have you seen that new piece? Oh man, what I'd give to try that out. And it, the cool thing about it is I think the older and more progress we get in the business, it's a lot easier to call a homie and be like, Hey bro, can I borrow that? Yo, <laughs> or, or how did that work out for you? And like Willis said, that means the world to people. And it, I've been working with a lot of churches lately. I know Matt has too. And they want that secular rock show but they don't know how to explain it correctly, you know? So like Michael said, holy cow, I'm just tying everybody back in. Going and sitting in the service and seeing what they're about, you know, is gonna, like, 
your love of the product, you'll be able to say, hey man, I know you really want this other thing, but that might be a little too much. Or, hey, I got this thing and we can make it all work how you want. I will say this, one of the very first times that I saw an Avid console that I thought was absolutely the shit, I saw an icon in uh, the MTV studio that you had to walk through, and it was like the music record, they had an icon there, Um, dude, I was like, whoa, because we'd, we'd all have profiles or venues or whatever the case, like back in the day, but the icon was like the broadcast rock and roll mixer dream and it had yeah. like big versions of all the knobs all the knobs all the buttons yep. it was a uh, pretty insane um so kyle you said something really really important there oh and that was like this idea i mean there, there's an old saying that says you know the, the customer doesn't want quarter inch drill bits they want quarter inch holes right, right. so um which which is it gets deeper the more Hold you on. think about it, but <laughs> I, I see a T-shirt or a sticker coming. But anyway, oh, no. um, but but this idea that sometimes what they ask for is not actually what they need, right? And right. so there's a little bit of a, a responsibility there that you know we are. If you're the manufacturer, you're the product specialist, you're the sales engineer. They're coming to you because of your knowledge of these things, and there's a professional trust there that that you you know it's not just about what what can you sell me but uh, you know i i want to tap into your knowledge and your understanding of how these things work and we deal with that all the time the local production company that i work with here i mean people come in and what they what they ask for and what they actually need are, are often very very different things um and so we have to say look we'll we'll rent you whatever you want you know you're asking for this it's going to cost you an absurd amount of money I can tell that you're never going to make it on on doors, and you're going to be paying us for five years, and we don't want that. We no, that's not good for anybody. So I know what you want, but let's talk about what you actually need to accomplish this event and what's reasonable with your budget. And that always ends up better in the long term. And I've we've had people say, "Thank you for not just selling me the first thing that I asked for when I walked in here." Right. So there's a little bit of ethics that come into play here, where. Um, yeah, I know what you're asking me for, but is, th- is that really the best fit for the application? And let's just talk a little bit about that. And let me give you some information so, um, and, and use my expertise, right? If we ever felt weird about getting someone something that was a little bit too much for what they were starting out with, the manufacturer's support with that is key, you know, because I used to have sales guys that were like, hey, man, I sold them the biggest desk. They got volunteers coming in. I have a service in two weeks. Like go hang out with them, make, make mm-hmm. friends. And, and that speaks volumes too. And console manufacturers, speaker manufacturers, anybody who can take a person who's been out on the road and has to deal with duct tape and spit and put them into a venue that's beautiful and people that are willing to learn and try it's just falling in love with the product even more, man. And I tell you what, my Facebook friends list is probably 75% of people that were clients that bought stuff that I just went and did a demo for and hung out and helped their, their people that bought stuff. And we're like friends now. I'm like, Hey, if I ever want to go to Louisiana, I tell you who I'm going to go see. Cause like they're still my people, you know what I mean? And that, that's the cool relationship that you build with these manufacturers and touring people and even the clients that buy your stuff. I mean, look at Jake uh, Hartsfield, was it? The guy yeah. that we just had on? State Farm. You know, yeah, State Farm, Jake from State Farm <laughs> and Wolfpack or whatever. Um, <laughs> dude started in church, you know what I mean? Like, And right now, I think 
I've told a lot of my mentors this. I was like, go get a job at a church, help out their volunteer staff. If you have mm-hmm. anything that you can do during COVID, that might be it, you know? And it's so valuable. It's so valuable. It'll take you so far. Well, I mean, I, that you idea know, of people calling you because they trust you, right? I mean, yeah. I get calls for shows and installs. I'm not a rental company. I don't own a big PA that I can rent you or trucks or, or 10 consoles. Or, you know, I don't have all that. But um, it's so the fact that the phone isn't just ringing at the company that has the most gear is very telling, I think, because, you know, if you trust the person you're calling to help you navigate what you're trying to accomplish and you know, I don't, I don't own a large format PA, but I know who to call to get one if I need to get one. So it's not all about that. I think, you know, you can't, like you said, Kyle, you can't underestimate the role in this of someone who just has the understanding and the knowledge and the experience to guide you through what you're trying to do. Yeah, there's, you know, it's interesting. I'm able to talk to, you know, all the integrators and, and whatnot from the entire United States, right? I mean, all the way from Maine to California, from Florida to Seattle. And it's interesting to hear, the the change of mentality and kind of where things are with with where we're at the state of the business right um it's so interesting to hear where you know like kyle and i coming up you know the club that i started with is hollywood alley uh, and it was a hell's angels club 125 cap room full-blown hell's angels club uh and that's where i cut my teeth and nowadays i i see a lot of people coming from the church Right. There's in not not just coming from a church, but these churches have great gear. Right. So all of a sudden you're you're in a position, especially I mean, you guys have young listeners. It's like if you want to get a free education, go to a church that has gear and say, I'll help in any way. Right. I mean, just go and say, I'll take take it one step further, a mobile church. Right, yeah. so in the non in, in the non denominational world, I mean, that's where I came from. I mean, as a yeah. kid, dude, I spent probably ten years of my childhood as, in a mobile church. In that, every Sunday, I was loading in and loading out. Yeah. Um, I mean, Absolutely. two trailers worth of PA and lights and everything like that. I mean, so like me from like the corporate side now, when I'm looking at resumes and I see that you've had you know X amount of years at a church. That like, and I was like, okay, I know what you've been through. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know what you've been able to handle. Um, I I want to, cause we already said we got a lot of two hours here. Um, <laughs> I, 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 um, <laughs> uh, I think we'd be disservice here to not go, um, given that everyone's had to do something different in this time. So you recently did Jimmy Eat World. Uh, they did their three albums front to back uh, for a live stream. I hate I wanna, you, I wanna, Matt. I want <laughs> I want to hit on that. So, um, yeah. was um, what was maybe different about that experience um, from a broadcast standpoint? Had you done broadcast type work like that before? Did you have to treat anything differently? Like, what talk about that experience? Yeah, so kind of almost full circle for me, Jim Jimmy World I and mean, Kyle's in the same boat. Those guys rip. I mean, they're literally one of the best bands. Period. They so are. They're super tight. Like they're great they're all nerds like us, right? I mean, they're just great people, right? In general level of people up here. Uh, Jim and I actually um, have been acquaintances and then we went on, we played some golf, you know, we did some things together. Um, is this middle name Singer? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Jim Singer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he hit me up um, probably October area uh, and said, hey, Matt, I got a, what 
He said Jim Singer. I'm still competing on that one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to kick now to put yeah. new, new middle names to everybody. Yeah. So, anyways. I think it's going to be like Kyle. I don't uh, want to hear well, what mine is. <laughs> Kyle Douchebag. Um, Kyle, where's my headphone adapter? Turn side. He had a full on meltdown the other day because he couldn't Give find it. some head. ASMR with that. I'm eating all these Mike and Ikes before the end of the episode. So, sorry, Matt. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, Jim, Jim hit me up uh, through text and said, "Hey, I got to talk to you about a couple things. Um, see if you're interested." I said, "Sure." So, I called him uh, and he said, "Hey, I'm looking to do, um, you know, possibly three albums uh, front to back. Don't really know what this, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, but just wanted to see if you're interested." Yes. Right. This is another one of those almost almost strung out things where I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what it is or what the capacity is. I'm in. Um, and so we I went down to their studio uh, and he's basically, you know, hey, we're going to do three albums completely front to back. Uh, and I'm you know, there's so many different ways to do it. And, and nowadays streaming, you know, you can do it live. You can do it recorded, however you want to do it. They wanted to basically do and I don't know if any of you guys have actually seen them, but it's it's three full albums as if they were all music videos. I mean, they had, dude, they had, I want to say it was 14 camera guys. They had, you know, th- wow. two lighting people with two grandmas. Uh, was, oh, yeah, Kyle's, I mean, Kyle. Oh, no, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, uh, Sonny. But literally, literally, I mean, they had the best of the best, right? I mean, as far as gear, right? Uh, you know, when they came to audio, they they're like do you need anybody is it you know what's the what's going on and i said what's the capacity and jim's only request was is that he works on pro tools so when he does anything in the studio in their their you know studio here in tempe um he does it on pro tools so he's like what i really need is i need somebody to run monitors and i need someone to capture the audio and i need it to be on pro tools as i said before there are certain manufacturers that excel on certain things and there's certain things that they don't what Avid does, the SXL does extremely well, is record at 96K straight to Pro Tools. That is like, bar none, the best thing that that console does. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but if you're talking about this particular situation, this is it. And so I was the only sound guy. So there's 14 camera guys, there's lighting people, there's I'm it. So uh, I call up uh, Clearwing uh, here in town and... I rent a uh, uh, SXL 32D. Uh, rent uh, came with a 92 in- 192 engine and um, a Stage 64, uh, and then a Mac Mini. That's what it comes with. So uh, that's the that's the the uh, the package. So uh, it was four days in the rehearsal studio of going through the albums, going through the stuff. And Kyle, unlike you, the same way, I was sitting there going. I can't believe I'm here. Right? What it's albums? Myself, it's, Stop and say what albums real quick. Uh, Clarity, uh, Futures, uh, and Surviving. Oh, No Bleed American? Damn. No, because I, maybe I shouldn't say this. There's other plans for that. Because uh. <laughs> uh, uh, it's their 20th anniversary coming up. I think. Is that what, 20th or something? Like um, anyway, you know Kyle's going to try to get on now. In terms of games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, man, so, you need Randy will come down and push cases. <laughs> So, so it was four, four rehearsal days. Um, and then my whole thing with that was, um, 
one, making sure. So let's back up. I've never done monitors on a SXL ever. Uh, now, mind you, let's just get into it, right? I don't care what it is. It's one of my favorite bands. So I think the biggest thing that I've always learned in my career is that if I don't know something, I will research it to death. I will reach out to anybody that I can and figure it out, right? Kind of what Kyle was saying. Call your bros. Luckily, one of my top engineers that I've always looked up to lives in the Valley. And he works for Avid. Him and I are coworkers now. And you guys have had him on your show, Robert Scoville. So I call Robert and I go, hey, I got this thing going on. Um, you want to come down and show me some stuff? And so it's still – now, mind you, where we're going with this, right? One he of my jogged favorite bands, there. Tell me he jogged what, there. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, one of my favorite engineers, one of my favorite bands inside of the studio getting prepared to do three albums, right? I mean, I'm, I'm fanboying out at this point, right? And so uh, Robert comes down and he's like, well, you know, what I would do is this and th- – Inside the SXL, there's what's called a, a gain guess feature, right? And all of us engineers are like, we're, we're engineers. Why would you use a gain guess? I've been guessing and for years. And <laughs> and <laughs> basically, what it does is you start you start putting a signal through. You uh, hit the gain twice, and it puts it at a nominal value that is equal to about 5 dB below, 5 dB above, and puts it at where a good, strong signal would go into ears or something like that, right? I thought, okay, cool. So mind you, I'm still over here on my sales side going, I want to see what customers see. Back to you were saying, Michael, right? The idea right. of using the gear, being able to talk the talk. And so I'm on my sales side going, okay, I want to see how this thing sounds. I'm going to put it through its paces, right? So I high pass, you know, the normal high pass stuff. Um, I put maybe a little tiny gate on the kick and I put very small limiters on each one of their outputs. And I gain guess, and all of a sudden, the, it's up and running. And this is, Robert got me going, said, hey, try these couple things, maybe try this, and then he left. Yeah, that's a little bit of a handicap, you know, kind of yourself. Oh, there. for sure. And, <laughs> Rob's and, cool. And, <laughs> now, mind you, this is this is what I, we just talked about, right? If you if you have the ability to reach out and network, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that what this pod show, podcast is for anyway? Is yep. to network, right? The whole idea is that we are all one. There should never be a I'm better than you or you're better than me. We all come together and make the best that we can do. So if you're friends and you have Robert Scoble or Kyle Chernside or Chris Leonard or Michael Lawrence or Willis Snow on your side, call up and figure out how to be the best. Amen. So if you have a if you have a handicap of a Robert Scoble on your side, yeah, I'll take it. Right? I'm not trying to be big bad Matt Lawrence. No, I'm going to get the guy who made the damn console Matt, to come down bad and show, show, <laughs> show, show me how to do this, right? And so so the, it ended up being literally the guy The guy came, he showed me what's up, and the, the, the band after 20 years are like, damn, Matt, what are you doing? You know, what's, what's, what's the secret sauce? And I had to tell Jim, nothing. I go, it's the desk. <laughs> Right? I, I I wanted my, to be Michael had that experience. That. Michael had that experience with the uh, with the uh, the SQ when you changed that with your band, didn't you? Um, yeah. Where was... Yep. Yep. Uh, they they said, "Wow." It, well, that's that's kind of an interesting thing to talk about, Matt, because when you when you move, you spinning up a show on a new desk, right? Um, versus loading up a show file on a on a you know that you've been using for a hundred shows or whatever. Um, 
it forces you to think again about how you're approaching how the show is laid out. And so when, when my the band that I mixed, they moved to an SQ and they were like, wow, this thing sounds amazing. And it does. It's a great desk. But I'm convinced that I could have taken their previous console, done a factory reset, and spun up a new show file. And they would have been happy with that, too, because it's not just about the new gear. It's also about I am reevaluating all these decisions that I've kind of been sitting on for so long. And, you know, based on all the things I've learned, I'm maybe going to try to do the vocal EQ a little bit differently. And you, you, it's just you kind of come at it fresh. And I went so, about it a little differently than that. <laughs> yeah. So, so putting, you know, putting into the framework of a new desk or, you know, how I want to lay out my buses or whatever, I think, sure. I think that's a good mental process where oftentimes you can get a, a better result uh, just by forcing yourself to kind of go through that analytical process again. Right. You know, there was a, there was a, so my church has an SXL and there's an engineer there and then there's, yeah, (laughs) funny, right? Uh, But they, they, um, there's also volunteers who are coming in and, and guys, guys who want to be sound engineers, guys who are trying to go down that path. And I get a call from, or text from the, the head engineer saying, uh, it was today. And he said, um, Hey, the, this guy is, is every time he comes in, he just wipes the slate clean. And I said, there's great growth in that. And he's like, what do you mean? Like any, so the, the head engineer is like 28 or something. Right. And he's, he's like, I'm the boss. Right. And he's like, he comes in and just wipes it clean. And I said, well, there's great growth in that kind of what you're talking about, Michael, the idea that you want to start fresh. And I, I compared it to uh, a memory seat in your car, right? When you get in, it might feel great on someone else's, but you want to mess around. You want to see if it feels comfortable, right? right? And I told him, I said, the idea that I would go with is having him come in and turn them all off. Maybe not wipe them clean, but turn off all the dynamics, turn off, zero everything out, just take them out and then put them in one at a time. And if he likes something, then say, oh, you know what? I like that sound. I want to dive deeper into that dynamic or that EQ mm-hmm. or that whatever. And so the idea of so many people, and I, I will tell you this working for Alan Heath, so many people would come in and be like, man, the show is just, it's rough. It's rough. And then Kyle, you've been through this. Just turn all the dynamics off. All of a sudden people are like, dang, what did you do? Yeah. Well, I took all the crap out that's been yeah. you just dug and dug and dug and dug and dug yourself a hole to where you're not letting the desk breathe. I, I, I watch people put their show files into a console and just recall last night's setting and EQ over that and then save and right. then take it to the next venue and open up and EQ over that and save. And like I was like, but but the clearing the desk thing out for sure, like it, it's kind of like making your seat real hard. Like you make it as uncomfortable as possible for yourself and then you just kind of work through it. Um, it makes you better. That's for sure. And in, and in church situations, you know, you have a little bit more leniency cause you don't have as many, uh, bands changing out members or different things being thrown at you, a different environment that you're miking in every week. So it's a little bit easier to clear it out in that situation than it is mid tour mm-hmm. or you're on a different console. You're using, you know, racks and stacks locale you know but that's pretty cool uh, i i did it once with uh pavin with carly ray he called me out to do that show on new year's and um i 
I brought my own console and I just started a new show file that day. And I thought I was going to get fired too. Cause she came over after the first song of rehearsal, took out her ears and she's like, what'd you do? And I was like, Oh, you don't know who I am. Um, so <laughs> that I was like, I'm going to take the juice for this one. I'm not going to call old man. Turnside. Ky- bullying yeah, Carly like, Rage. Like, Wait, you didn't <laughs> get my it. resume. <laughs> no, but it is, it's a life changer for artists. Once you kind of start over, especially in modern world, yeah. cause they get it. You know, like immediately, like Chris always says is like the best into the snake because you get to deal with the artists and stuff. So you get to see that kind of mood change when you when you physically move something that they're used to listening to all the time and making it a little bit less dynamic, less EQ, better mic placement, you know, whatever it is. Um, That's the fun, man. And if you can dig yourself out of that hole, it's okay to wipe the desk. But if you can't dig yourself out of that hole, do like you said, go channel to channel start taking things out go look at your mic placements you know do the, do the easy route until you know you can get back to running a rock show and you know a song or less and i want to just you know i know we're kind of up against the clock a little bit here but i guess we booked two hours for this episode what clock really... <laughs> so uh, you know to i, I want to expand on what you said matt about like hey if you have someone who's really good at what you're trying to do call them up right um I will do that even if I think that the uh, the other person might necessarily might not necessarily do a better job than I'm doing. They, if they, if I think they'll do a different approach, there's still some value in that. Um, you know, I routinely will send mixes to to my peers, and and the, the question I ask is, what would you do differently to this mix? Uh, you know, when Will and I did the, the the quick mix thing, and I hear a rumor that Kyle's going to be doing one of them coming up what? as well. And, he um, put me up against some insane dudes too. It's like it was like Yakubuski. me and Willa and, and yeah, yo, yeah, Jim Yak. You're gonna that's that's crazy. I'm gonna Game get over. slaughtered. <laughs> but we had you know it was it was Drew Thornton and Potter and Bangs and two of us and same multi tracks, five very very different mixes in my opinion. You know they were all good sounding mixes. They were all things that people would sit through and enjoy a show. So to me, it wasn't about who's the best here and let's all learn from this person. It's really about what's your interpretation of this and what's your approach to this and what would you do differently? And I know that Willow was a little nervous about it until she realized that's kind of where it was going, which is we're all just kind of bringing our own recipe to the table here. I think there's a lot of value. So I love that. Hey, here's this mix. What would you do differently? Not that what I'm doing is wrong. Right. But just, I want to hear your take on it. I was a complete wreck leading up to that. (laughs) I was a nervous freaking wreck and like running around and pacing and just like oh my god i can't believe i'm doing this against these people why and i'm i'm full like wholeheartedly blaming samantha for this for dragging me into that uh but also i'm grateful and i think uh so as many of y'all who who listen to the show know i am still very new to the to the scene here and i am so very grateful for the opportunity that i have received to just talk to the people that i talk to and uh, one of the ways that you can get better is to hang out with people who have more experience than you, that do know more than you, who are smarter than you, and yeah. listen, listen, and ask their advice, get their opinions, you know, listen to what they do differently. And yeah. the, the beautiful thing about our industry is that all of us, exactly like Matt said, we are all one, and we, we all started there. You know, we all started... Uh, in the small club, in the small church, or in or in the tiny recording studio, just like trying to do what we what we love and wanting to know more. And so now all of us have that beautiful opportunity to reach back and be like, "Hey, I was in your spot. 
X amount of years ago. And I can, here's what I have learned so far. And I'm going to share that with you to help you get better. And we're all kind of lifting each other up simultaneously. And it's such a, a wonderful thing to be a part of. And, and so if anybody gets, you know, any sort of takeaway from any of our shows that we do, it's listen to people who are smarter than you and, you know, talk to them. And, and, you know, just just try not to be afraid or intimidated, because I certainly was, but it ended up being super fun. So, here's that. All right, Matt. Yes. Here we yeah. go. This is it. <laughs> this is it, baby. I, I will it, say it, this. You're, you're, you're the 50% or 60% of you is the top five people you surround yourself with. Yeah, so, I like that. So... Five, the five Churn top people. Churn wisdom there. For yeah, you. the top. That's, that's two tonight. Yeah. Sorry. Kyle, you're on fire, bro. I know. I love you guys. <laughs> I love this show. So the the five, the top five people you surround yourself with, you are the average of them. So take that in your career path as well. You know. One. You two, are who you three, hang out with. Four. You <laughs> are who you hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, There's no cat. doubt about that. All right, Matt. Matt, sorry, Matt Sound, Lawrence, Matt I, want Sound. Get, I want to get it right. If you could define your legacy, what would you want it to be? That you could reach out and get a hold of me. It's my man. Think about it, dude. Man. There's so yep. many. Yeah, I mean, yep. there's so literally. Hey, it worked for me. Yeah. I, I messaged you and we got you on here, so it worked for me. No. <laughs> I messaged you and said, people think I'm you. And you said, I mean, have, have any of you guys ever tried to reach out to me and I haven't answered back? No, no. no. Actually, I uh, and I'll even go further. I put my business card if LinkedIn friend, Michael. Uh, I put I put this on on LinkedIn and I just said, hey, if you ever talk to me, you know, I love to talk about consoles. Talk to me anytime. Mm-hmm. I just that. I mean, I want to be known as that you can reach out and we can talk about sound anytime. You know, uh, there's all sorts of really cool stuff that I've been a part of. And um, and I think that that's amazing. But if that if that is the sole reason to get people to talk to me uh, about stuff and about sound and get on shows like this, then it's all worth it. It's awesome. That's a yeah, but yeah, it's a great answer. Yeah, I dig it. Um, I uh, all right. So so we're all coming over to your place and you're going to take us out to eat. Where are we going? Uh, sushi for yes. sure. Okay, yes. and not is not it, at Donnie's it, truck. Is there a, is there a, a favorite <laughs> spot that you have, or or when you think about all the all the touring that you've done, is there a place that really stands out? Is like, man, that was the best food I ever had. Or yeah, Kyle's gonna agree. In Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mean, I like I when I was when I was there when I was living there. We always used to go to Geisha Gogo because they always oh, had Geisha's some kind of weird yeah. weird spin on something that was really cool. But for fresh fish, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I just there's no there's no uh, no comparison. But yeah, and you were either, so prepared for those questions too. People usually struggle a little bit. You just just laid them right out there, man. Uh, he's in sales. I was <laughs> gonna say, come on, I, <laughs> Not sales. I, I have to go a hundred mile an hour. Uh, but um, is there more questions that everybody asks? No, just uh, Will you got a question for Matt? See, I can answer the questions, but you got to ask them. Isn't that how it goes? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, if you were a craft, what would you be? Whoa. Ooh. Whoa. Like craft services? I got Mike and Ike's. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what, give me, give me like a, like, like, a, like arts and crafts. Oh. Like 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be. Like, are a, you a? a I'd be a wood lathe. <laughs> a wood lathe. <laughs> she didn't ask what to- if you're a tool. That's she true. Asked- <laughs> oh, I'm aware of the. I'm aware of the question. That makes the question even better, right? It does. I could be any of the things that you could make on a lathe. Matt Lathe Lawrence. I've never done, I've never done this before, but I'll do it for Matt too, and he can add it. Um, shout out to everyone in the Tempe area, Grasher, um, mm. Spencer, Joe, all the D- Daniel Grace. down at yeah Grace Royce Daniel like yeah Daniel Reed yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of us that came from Arizona for sure. Shout out to sure. all those oh, folks. Carl Winkler's out there, isn't he? Is he in, in? No, he's in Albuquerque. Oh, New Mexico. Other desert, high desert. Okay, S- still <laughs> similar one. climate though. High you desert. Know, I, I, before I forget, I wanted to put a couple of things out there real quick, and I won't make it long. I promise. Yeah, baby, let's do it. There, there is, there was a, a change for me, uh, and I don't even know if Kyle knows this, um, but there was a change for me. Oh. Uh, a while back um, that happened from touring. So touring, I, you know, you guys got young listeners and for all the old listeners, who who cares, right? But the idea oh. is I wanted to do touring at its fullest, right? I wanted to do all the things that you could possibly do on tour. I wanted to drink. I wanted to have the sex. I wanted to get it in, right? I mean, and I did, right? All the things of touring, I did. When I got into sales, what ended up happening, and I don't think I've ever really mentioned this on a forum or anything, but the, what happened was I, I thought a job change, right, would change who I was, right? And everybody's mm-hmm. talked about it, right? A location change, a job change. And come to find out, it didn't. And what I'm talking about is I was a full-blown alcoholic, right? I mean, literally, the, 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 on the writer, Jack Daniels, little bit of bag of weed let's get it in right and to some people it they can handle it and that's their deal uh, i got to a point where i literally was waking up having a jack and coke right and still selling more than anybody out there so figure that out right but it got to the point where i couldn't function i hit a wall and it was like i didn't want to answer an email i didn't want to do a call i didn't want anything and another shout out to mr schaefer uh, I called him one day literally on my knees and I was like, I'm screwed and I need to go get help. And so I checked myself into rehab for two months. I went and got help and it's been over two and a half years since I've been sober. Awesome. And so there is, a, there is another side of this industry that I, I know that there's some people that have talked out about, you know, where, where you can, can go with this, but I would just be very conscientious, right? The idea that you can, there you go. The idea that you can literally um, get yourself when it's free booze and free, you know, everything. There's no, what's the, what's the threshold, right? Oh, it costs too much. Oh, it's, you know, whatever. There's nothing, right? You just party all the time if you want to. And so for me, that was a big thing that Tim did for me. And thank God, because it saved my life, right? And now I'm, you know, have a great job. I have a beautiful wife. I have three kids. I bought a new house, got a car. Like life to me yeah. is going extremely well uh, and to each their own. But for me, it was about digging down and realizing that uh, I don't have to have that. And the one big, 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 big thing was I went and mixed Red Rocks for the nth time uh, on April 19th of two thousand. 19, 18, somewhere in there. 
sober. First gig I ever mixed sober, right? Since I was 18, uh, whether I had alcohol or weed or whatever, first gig completely sober. Now, mind you, it's 419, right? They're celebrating 420. <laughs> and I'm going there for the first time ever mixing completely sober, ever, any show. And if you've ever been there, I know Kyle has, but if you go to Red Rocks, it's one of the best venues in the world. Acoustics are amazing, the, the history there, all the fun stuff. And what's interesting is I'm sitting there mixing, and I was mixing the green, believe it or not. <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great, you know, five-piece harmony, just rad band. And I'm sitting there, and I remember sitting there and I'm hearing the mix and hearing the sound and going, man. How many shows did I waste mm. fucked up? And it's right. That's the reality. So to each their own, but there, there was a, a realization for me that how many things that I not get the full potential Wembley stadium, Madison square garden, like all these cool things that I've done. How many of those things did I not get the full experience? And yeah. funny enough, that photo was on the ultimate live sound engineer's guide to mixing. Do you guys, do you guys ever oh, see that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That photo is the first time I mix sober at Red Rocks. That's wow. awesome. That's huge, dude. Yeah. You're blessed. I, You're I, truly I, blessed, I, I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. It takes, it's not easy. Um, it's not easy to talk about this stuff publicly, um, first off. It's important, the, though. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, a shout out just to, obviously, the clinic, uh, the Rody Clinic. I mean, there's obviously other by means of getting help. But, I mean, you know, the Rody Clinic will gladly help you guys uh, if anyone needs help. So, please, uh, rodeclinic.com and, and check them out. And, and they can point you into resources to, to help you out if you absolutely. if you yourself needs help. So, Yeah, I Matt, thank you for joining us, man. I came up with yeah. one last thing. So oh, he's got some more, some more wisdom laid on. Yeah, so I'm gonna drop it. And and yeah. I had I had to say this to my daughter the other day. I was like, "Hey, man, do you know how you get to go and watch those shows all the time? You know, you just like watch Frozen a million times. You know all the songs. You watch Diary of a Wimpy Kid. You watch all it. You watch it over and over." I go, "Make sure you're paying attention to what we're doing. We don't get to go back and rewatch any of this." I go, "You're getting big on me, you know," and. uh I think that's important to think about. You know, we only get one time to watch this through, and uh, you did the right thing, man. That's huge, yeah. huge. Yeah. I had a, a sticker on an old uh, toolbox years ago, and it just said, this isn't the dress rehearsal. And it's I, I really like that because we kind of get caught up in some stuff now and again, and, you know, like you said, it's you, hit, you don't get to hit the pause button and rewind it. So it's a... Heavy stuff on the Signal Noise podcast this evening, but important stuff. And uh, yeah, we, we definitely, Matt, want to thank you for for sharing all of that with us and, and for for spending time with us and talking with us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yes, thank yeah, you. thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It's been it's been amazing. Kyle, it's good to see you. Chris, yeah, bro. Michael, Willis, thank you guys very much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you.